What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 91 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. My great-grandfather barely uh, outlived the number of this podcast at this point. He lived to, like, age 93 or something like that. That was a weird thing to bring up. I'm here with my co-host, Mike. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. Uh, Now that I've gotten the large bulk of work finished... And turned in for uh, the ter- my uh, current term at WCU Vancouver. Uh, it's a weight off my shoulders. I got the major project done uh, for my digital technology and culture class, which is kicking my ass lately. And because I had to create a website and I had to format it. And I also had to create a, a video and then do an infographic. So I had to do three different things. So, Yeah. Well, that's good, Mike. This is a show about unsolved mysteries, if you uh, haven't figured that out. And uh, we're going to talk about... So we got an action-packed episode for you guys and gals today, tonight. Double stuffed. Yeah, it is. It is. It might even be triple stuffed. Didn't they come out with a triple stuffed Oreo at one point? I don't know if they did. That's way too much. Yeah, it, <laughs> it is way too much. You know, that is, That's like the double down sandwich at KFC. Oh God. Have you ever had that? I haven't, but I remember... I had it one time. Oh, you actually It was had? good, Wow, but... Man, I, I, you know, I definitely felt guilty after eating that. The double down sandwich, it was, it was the, instead of bread, it was two pieces of fried chicken patties and in the middle yeah. they had like bacon and some other shit, right? And cheese. And cheese. What was yeah. the fried chicken was, it wasn't like, it wasn't like chicken It was breast. original recipe. It was original recipe kind of, it was almost like chicken breast. It was, it was, it was still original recipe. Like it was still high quality chicken. How did they make like patty type things? You know, it wasn't really a patty. It was more like uh, a tender. It's two chicken tenders that were put together, but like bigger chicken tenders, chicken tenders and steroids. Jeez, because I, I wouldn't imagine that chicken tenders are flat enough, have enough surface area to make a sandwich out of. Them. Well, that's what I said. It was, you know, it, they were they reminded me in terms of the size and shape, like of McDonald's hash browns. Ugh, see, that's that's. That's where you get into this like Mick Frankenstein shit where they're like <laughs> modifying the shapes of the chicken to make their crazy ass new menu. If you guys would like to hear more about me and Mike talk about K- the double down KFC sandwich, you can text KFC to pound 524. Uh, message and data rates may apply. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> um, so this is a podcast about unsolved mysteries. There's many like like this, like this out like there. These. Like these. There's many like these out there, but you choose this one. I don't know why, because we probably the worst. But we're okay, the first. Okay, Pincho. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you want to like us on Facebook, we have a Facebook page called Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. But I recommend you joining our Facebook group, which is a lot more vibrant, a lot more activity, a lot more crowd participation. And just search Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries on Facebook. If you'd like to donate to us on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. And... Um, one of our Patreon donors is going to get reap one of their benefits uh, on this uh, on this here podcast today, but more on that later. For now, we're going to get into some mysteries. Our first mystery is one that we have literally mentioned, like probably hundreds of times. Yeah, more times <laughs> than we have episodes. Probably uh, anytime, anytime we've done a case that has to do with police corruption. 
I, for one, all we're just police in general. Yeah, and we think they're corrupt. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like I, for one, always go back to the Bordello murders, which was the name of this case on the Ultimate Collection, which made it a pain in the ass to search for these two ladies' names on the internet because it just says Bordello murders. But it's the the case of the murders of the two prostitutes, Candy Belt and Gloria Ross. Um, uh-huh. This is a great segment. It uh, definitely is, is later in the Unsolved Mysteries, you know, pantheon of episodes. Everything about uh, it's season ten. Yeah, everything about it looks like later stage. Actually, both of these segments we're covering today are both later Unsolved. Yeah, Mysteries. but what's interesting uh, between the two, and I'll mention it later, is that one has significantly better audio and production value than the other one. Now, did you watch these on Amazon? I, I watched them on my uh, DVD box set. Oh, bizarre okay. murders. Oh, you really? I never noticed that the uh, the audio difference in these two. But um, yeah, so we're starting off. Maybe with- that's why I noticed it because it was on the DVD instead with the higher quality. Well, no, audio I watched and, it on the and, DVD as well. I watched it on my yeah. one as well. I'll mention exactly what I, what I'm talking about. All right, soon enough. Um, but anyway, this is a case of the Bordello murders, uh, and that's it. Sounds like a title for some trashy novel or a movie. Yeah, let's it? just get one thing out of the way right now. Uh, bordello is a nice way of saying whorehouse. Yes. First yes. of all, I didn't know what the fuck Bordello was. I thought it had to do. I thought perhaps the city's name was Bordello or something. That's how <laughs> fucking stupid no, I, I am. No, I knew. I knew it was a, a whorehouse because uh, I'm familiar with the Tales from the Crypt movie Bordello of Blood. Uh-huh, sure, sure. That's how you know. That's what it means, Mike. I'm sure you've been to a few Bordellos in your time <laughs> up in Washington, no. up in up Come in on. liberal Washington, where you ain't got <laughs> no morals. <laughs> I'm separating. I'm dividing the crowd right here and now. Divide and conquer. You don't know which side of, of the aisle that I'm on. I'm flipping around all the time. I know you aren't on that side. No, Come I'm on. not. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually hosting this from a bordello as we speak. I'm getting a, a massage. So uh, this is the case of Candy Belt and Gloria Ross. Now, Candy Belt sounds like a made-up name. It sounds like a stripper name. I'm sorry. Yeah, slightly. Candy Belt. Those are like the candy necklaces, but a belt. Yeah. So, uh, straddling the border, I, I love the fact that they use that term. Like straddling. In this. <laughs> straddling the border between Kentucky and Tennessee is Fort Campbell, one of the largest army bases in the world. Just down the road is the little town of Oak Grove, Kentucky, home to the New Life Massage Parlor. Massage parlor. Now, I stumbled there because I still can't believe this is the title they went with. I understand they're trying to be inconspicuous and not trying to really bring a lot of uh, attention to the fact that this is a whorehouse, but a new life massage parlor. I mean, this sounds like some new age bullshit. I mean, knowing that it's a massage parlor, it's, it's like, God, I want to leave my wife so bad. If I could just start a new life somewhere, somehow, (laughs) Oh, here's a massage parlor. Oh, I met someone I want to leave my wife for. I'm going to start a new life. Thanks. Massage parlor. But it does. It sounds like a yoga place yeah new new life yoga you know there's there's i know i actually know a handful of uh massage therapists and i i don't know when massage parlors got like became synonymous with hand jobs but i feel sorry for (laughs) happy endings yeah Yeah. i feel sorry for people who work at massage like true massage parlors that are not you know whorehouses because the amount of fucking times they must hear oh you're gonna give me a happy ending 
Yeah. I feel like I sound a little bit like Homer Simpson just then. <laughs> but like that's like me being like I'm a wedding DJ and the amount of times I hear people go, oh, like the wedding singer. And I'm just like, I just have to take it, you know? I just have to hang my head and take it and go, yeah, like the wedding singer, you dumb shit. Like, how long have you been waiting to use that fucking reference in your stupid head? Anyway. So, uh, here a handful of girls gave comfort to the troops. <laughs> Again. Again, the writing. Well, I mean, even the reenactment, like the way they show, like they just show uh, these hot women... And there, a troop comes in. Uh, uh, you know, a member of the military, military guy comes in, and they escort him to the back. And yeah, it's kind of got the the music. It's kind of got this va va voom vibe to it. You yeah. know, <laughs> like, and you're just like, you know, they're not going to be able to show any more than that. But it's just like, oh wow, like they're actually implying on this show that you know someone's about to get sucked and fucked. Uh, wow. So anyway, uh, <laughs> well put, Mike. That's all that. So that's what Tam all that college got you. Sucked and fucked. <laughs> Tammy Papler was the owner of New Life. Through prostitute, though prostitution is illegal in Kentucky, Tammy said the police didn't bother her because seven or eight officers regularly used the services she offered. Surprise, surprise. The police department would pick out specific things for us to buy, and they would order them. I know there were lights for just about every car, shoes, uniforms, canine T-shirts. Christmas parties, Christmas bonuses. They basically got what they wanted. Those little seven or eight police officers and the mayor run the whole town. I love how she kind of like degrades them a little bit by saying little. Those little seven yeah. or eight police officers and mayor run the whole town. Because when, when as the story goes on, you learn that it, it really is a good old boy network. Oh, totally. As long as 100%. you're in with these guys, they can pretty much do whatever they want. And I also love how... This city is so shitty. Don't my, no excuse the rhyme, but this city is so <laughs> shitty that they there's no budget for lights on the cars, like yeah. the police lights. I mean, at least lights. She's talking about uniforms. They, yeah. <laughs> they didn't have uniforms in the budget. So what did they, these they guys? They probably did, but new uniforms, shoes, new lights, canine t-shirts. I mean, that. Well, think about yeah. They're like what you know. We can take advantage of this. Why don't we get like the best uniforms, the best shoes? You know, that's that's actually a good point, Mike, because there is a small town um, outside of Jacksonville I've talked about a few times named Waldo, and I I hope this town gets nuclear bombed. But all the rest, where's Waldo? Yeah, yeah, in right. Jacksonville. I mean, right? it's just just <laughs> it's just as small and unknown and shitty as the Waldo character, but. Um, it's it's equally as hard to find i should say but yeah dude like waldo made all their money from corrupt um like traffic stops because you have yeah. you had to drive through waldo to get to gainesville which is a much bigger and you know more yeah. you know whatever area of, of florida more populated there you go um I, populated was a hard word for me to find apparently <laughs> in that moment um so as people would drive through waldo these fucking cops would would pull you over for the smallest infraction and they give you tickets. And I got my DUI driving through Waldo. And I always say, like, they, there's the dirt roads, like watermelon stands on the side of the road. Yet these cop cars were like fucking at a Terminator 3. They're like the most futuristic looking cop cars and the nicest shit, you know? So it's like, geez, like the, the disparity between... Um, the money that was actually getting divvied out to the city to benefit that the city and the cops keeping 
most yeah. of those funds was insane. So yeah, I mean, yeah. it makes sense that this would happen sure. here too. Yeah, so according to Tammy, one police officer, Ed Carter, used intimidation to take advantage of the situation more often than other officers. He won the services and was like, well, I know what's going on. I'm a police officer. Who are they going to believe? You or me? He wanted a job of a blowing kind. <laughs> yeah. Carter insisted that Tammy contract with him for janitorial services. When she went on vacation, Tammy says that Carter virtually took control of the massage parlor. Which is not cool at all. Finally, Tammy says she had to have Carter barred from the establishment. It was like he was the madam. I wasn't the madam anymore. I love how that's the whole terminology, too, for the person who runs the whorehouse or the bordello. It's the madam. Yeah, now all of a sudden they want to get classy, you know. It was actually like he was. I was furious with him. I didn't want him around my business anymore. I didn't want him around the girls. We had a meeting and I informed each and every one of them this. You do not allow him around here anymore. It's the end of it. On September 20th, 1994, the bodies of two of Tammy's workers, 22-year-old Candy Belt and 18-year-old Gloria Ross, were discovered in the back room of the brothel. Both had been shot execution style. Both of their throats were slashed. Jesus Christ. Now, in the uh, reenactment, they didn't really show any of the killings, but they showed a really creepy-looking shot of this guy with a knife, which I thought was really well done. You don't see his, you don't you only see it from the waist down, and he just pulls the knife out of the sheath, and it looked like something straight out of a slasher movie. It's a very horror film-like in terms of its cinematography and the way it was edited and shot. So earlier that evening, Ed Carter had stopped by the massage parlor. He told investigators that he went home to his wife at 3 a.m. well before the murders, which occurred around 4 a.m., according to the coroner's report. Carter and his wife, Carol Moore, have since been divorced. She said her ex-husband was not home at 3 a.m., as he claimed. He came in a few minutes after 4. I made it a habit of looking up at the clock when he came in. The two women were shot with a small caliber gun. Ed Carter told police that he owned no such weapon. His ex-wife disagreed. Well, Ed did own a small caliber gun. He kept it under the, under the mattress for my protection. It was not there that night. I had not seen it from the from the Christmas before the shooting. I love how they got the uh, the ex-wife. They flew her in and interviewed yeah. her, and she just you know was so eager to dime out her ex-husband. Exactly, <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> that motherfucker was not here. The gun was missing. <laughs> he might have. He probably did this shit. <laughs> Take that, Ed, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> so Ed Carter voluntarily took a polygraph exam. Doesn't really matter. Polygraph exams are total. Bullshit, Junk. they're not even admissible in, in court. Mayor Billy Gloyd of the Christian County Sheriff's Department spoke about the test. I can't tell you whether or not he passed or failed his polygraph. The only thing I can tell you is that he did resign from the police department and that he did secure an attorney after the polygraph. I love that so much. That yeah, dude, I do this too. segment is this segment has so many great little like quips in it from unsolved mysteries and I love that so much. I can't tell you whether he passed or failed his polygraph. I can say he did resign from the police department and secured an attorney after the polygraph. I just love the legal just yeah. bullshit that you have to go through where it's like <sighs> You know, I just, it's hilarious. It's like... Yeah, but you can see the truth in the statement, though. 
Like you can see what what really happened. You're like he failed it. Yeah, I mean, he clearly. obviously failed it. But he, the guy can't say that exact no, verbiage, but he can convey that meaning. Exactly. It, it's just like that's that is just that is that legalese 101 it's a legal loophole. Yeah, that's just that's just hilarious to me. Like I love that. So attorney John Stewart represented Carter. I love this guy. Mr. Carter's never run. He's never fled the area. He's never left the area. Whenever he was questioned, he always cooperated. Tammy Papler saw things differently. I feel like Ed Carter killed them. I, I honestly do. I feel like he is the one who actually pulled the trigger. Carter moved to another part of Kentucky. As the case went cold, Tammy got so angry that she went public with her suspicions at a July 15, 1997 city council meeting. They felt that they didn't have to investigate it because no one's going to ask any questions. They're just two dead prostitutes, and no one's going to care about it. A former Oak Grove City Councilwoman backed up Tammy's claims of police corruption. Patty Ballou shocked the chamber when she admitted that she had worked at the New Life Massage Parlor for two years. I like when they showed her in the in the reenactment because uh, like Stack was like, but there was one woman who did understand what Tammy was yeah. going through, and the camera starts focusing in on the actress uh, portraying uh, Tammy, or, or not Tammy, but uh, the P Patty. Patty. Uh, and she's like, you know, the camera's like zooming in on her, and she's like squirming around in her chair and like <laughs> yeah. biting her lip, like, you know, like, I have this secret that's just burning up inside of me, you know? Like, I, I, <laughs> I thought it was funny how that actress like chose to portray that, you know, Okay, in this scene, you're going to be a councilwoman, but you're seeing... Well, think about it. It's a small town. It's a councilwoman. I mean, that would be something that you're like, uh... Squirming around your about. chair and biting yeah. your lip, though. I, I thought it was a little over-exaggerated, but I thought it was yeah. funny because of that. I, li I like that kind of stuff, you know, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. So, I announced to everybody that her allegations to police corruption and the things of that nature were true. i known about them coming into the parlor. And, I, and the reason I know about that is because I used to work there. I always felt that the police officers were involved. They were there all the time. They knew the routine. They knew everything. They knew the ins and the outs about the place. There's so many things that just kept pointing towards them. John Stewart said the claims made about his client were just not true. Ed Carter did work at the facility as a janitor, but Ed Carter did not commit these murders. He wants to have this matter, as far as he's concerned, brought to closure. He wants to see the final chapter written where it can be stated without a doubt that Ed Carter had absolutely nothing to do with the murders. I'm starting to think that this John Stewart guy, the attorney for Ed Carter, gets commission every time he says the name Ed Carter. Because God yeah. damn did he find a lot of opportunities <laughs> to insert that his client's name into the state the, the sentence that he made. <laughs> Ed Carter, I want to state definitively, had nothing to do with this, and Ed Carter is very upset about it. Ed Carter and myself were eating Arby's, and Ed Carter told me that Ed Carter does not feel that Ed Carter is guilty, and then we left, and then I dropped Ed Carter home at Ed Carter's house. <laughs> His name Maybe is Ed Carter, by the way. Maybe that's just how he's used to speaking, because he's you know, he's a lawyer. Yeah, it's like, again, with the lawyer legalese and, and mumbo-jumbo going on here, it's like, I'm not saying that his roommate, the other guy, I'm not saying... He's innocent, too. I'm only stating Ed Carter, and if a transcript is made of this, I've said the dude's name like 500 times uh, definitively. <laughs> yeah, these lawyers are... Uh, it's funny how they how they do that, that stuff. That sounds like one of their favorite words, too, definitively. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tammy Papler just wants justice. I hope that justice will be served. I hope that they charge the police officers. I hope that they clean up the corruption. And I hope that they start the town all anew. Most of all, I want Gloria and Candy to know that we fought for them, 
and that we're going to see justice is served for them. The murders remain unsolved. And there's up there's actually an update. A seven-year investigation by Kentucky State Police ended with the arrests of two former Oak Grove policemen. One was Ed Carter, who was arrested in Ohio and extradited to stand trial. Another former police officer, Leslie Duncan, was arrested and charged with complicity to murder. A third man, Frank Black, who was not a police officer, was indicted for the murders of Candy Belt and Gloria Ross. The three went on trial in 2016, and all three were acquitted. Great. They were all acquitted. So that's... Yeah. You know, and and people, if you ever wonder why uh, we point to this case when we talk about police corruption and police being in bed with, you know, well, both figuratively and literally in this sense, with, um, you know, seedy organ, you know, seedy like situations and... Just corruption in general, now you know why. I mean, this is literally... And again, I've said this in the past, when you have a small town that a few people have a lot of power over other people and there's no larger thing to keep them in check, it seems like a lot of bullshit happens. And if you look at all these bullshit cases, a lot of times they're in these small towns... Yeah, I'm um, dude. There's numerous amounts of cases where it was a small town, and and the the police didn't do something enough. Like, or the other ones where they're like, it wasn't. Su- it was a suicide, and then there was clearly evidence that. that yeah, or yeah, they didn't pursue something the because perhaps the person who perpetrated the crime was in bed with the cops in some way or the other. You know, financially or or whatever. You know, and man, that's just these small towns. Like, that's the that's the kind of shit that can go down. You know, it's like, uh, the mayor or whoever is uh, goes to the same church as the cops. They go to the same bars. They go to the same uh-huh. wherever, and they're all buddies. They're all good old boys. And if you ain't in that network, the good old boy network, then you're fucked. You know, that's I don't. I was born and raised in a small town. Born and raised in a small town. Covering up murders in a small town. <laughs> Did a lot of heroin in a small town. And I never got caught because I was white. <laughs> oh. oh, no. Oh, no. Mike's over here. Oh, dear. Um, no, seriously, though, if you are of a different skin color in a small town... <laughs> Uh, I just, I, 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 I would stay, uh, I would not want to be, I would not want to be you. I would not want to be me. I would not want to be anybody in those situations. Small towns in, in America, at least, especially in the South, me growing up in the South, I feel I can speak to this a little bit, a little bit of a reputation of being uh, on the racist side, um, or just, um, not open to anything different than what they are used to in general. Cause I mean, I got, yeah. I got two piercings in my face. I got tattoos, etc. I mean, don't think for a second when I go to these places, sometimes I don't get looked up and down like, oh, there goes a sinner right there. You know, there goes a drug, <laughs> yeah. a drug addict, a drug yeah. addict. You know, if you have tattoos and piercings, you're a drug addict. That's the thing about, you know, that's a stereotype people like or that. Or you're just having all kinds of unprotected sex. Well, I mean, that, riddled with that part is true. That part's absolutely <laughs> true. I mean, if they assume that they would be correct, but everything else is wrong <laughs> and it's, and it's bad. <laughs> But with this case, yeah, it's a clear-cut case of police corruption in a small town, and I feel so bad for uh, the the girls who were murdered, for their families, and and uh, for Tammy and all of that. Yeah, she was the madam in a whorehouse, but that doesn't mean that any of these girls had it coming to them, 
or they deserved it or any of that. Um, it was technically illegal to do that in that town, in, in the town and in the state of Kentucky, but the police department waved that off because uh, there were so much, there were so many benefits that they were receiving from the funds from uh, the bordello. Yeah, I mean, who's kidding who? They're all cheating on their wives with these young, vibrant, you know, ladies who worked at, at, at this yeah. place, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know for 100% whether or not Ed Carter was the one who delivered the killing blow or the killing bullet or whatever. Um, but I do 100% believe that there's definitely police that were involved with this. And, and they were uh, acquitted. It's, uh, yeah, and that's just ridiculous. So at the end of the day... There might have been more involved than just those three. It might have been right to the top. At the end of the day, if I could offer any advice on this segment, try, ladies, try your hardest to not uh, work at a whorehouse. And if you don't remember anything else from this podcast, remember that. Because nine times out of ten, a, a unfavorable situation will happen of some magnitude at a location like that. Or not just a whorehouse, just don't sell your body, period, because you're, you're going to run into issues, unless you're a, a private escort. Like, I, I read some crazy thing. There was this woman who became a private escort, and she, like, may has made, like, millions. Millions upon millions oh, yeah, of dude. dollars. Yeah, a lot of these, like, porn websites, dude, those chicks are not, you know, amateur girl does a guy behind a you know in a parking lot yeah that's not an amateur girl that's a paid model and that is a closed location and that is totally a planned out film and that chick is making bank and i'm sure the guy's making decent money too but it's you know it's that's the 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 ladies that always you know are that the guys are interested in watching that come to fame i don't know of any uh guy porn stars well, think about it I mean, in the 70s, there were a lot of guy porn stars, but, like, you can't really think of a lot of... Well, I mean, it's not really as advertised as much, that's for sure. Like, dude, that, like... When, like you, when people think... Of, when the average person thinks of a, a male porn star, they think of Ron Jeremy and, uh... I think of that guy, what's the, Peter North? John Holmes, right? Uh, I don't know. John Holmes? They think of uh, the, the Holmes guy with the mustache who uh, Val Kilmer played in the movie Wonderland. I have no idea who that is. Dude, you know Ron Jeremy's still making porn? Wow, that's... Uh, don't ask. I was doing an investigation for this case, and I was I was looking at various videos online, and just purely for research, and I came across it, and, and dude, it's, 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 it's fucking disgusting. Ron Jeremy is still laying his nasty 70-year-old pipe on, uh, like, like, 18 and 19-year-old girls. I'm like, Ooh. ugh, ugh, ugh! I mean, clearly it's consensual because, I mean, it's, you know, a video and he's... Yeah, it's not one of those instances like with Bill Cosby. Yeah, who... he didn't... Ron Jeremy's not pulling a... You know, so these chicks want to do it, but God mm-hmm. damn, that's... Oh, it was disgusting. It, it... Because recently, Cosby, the, he got the book thrown at him. So... Yeah, you know, yeah, I don't know. Bill Bill Cosby was never my guy when it came to stand up or his For me too. or his TV show. I mean, even before he got charged with anything, I, I I honestly didn't I didn't think he was funny. I didn't like his whole like Mr. Mr. Good Guy, Mr. Nice Guy shtick. Um, well, it just shows you that that wasn't entirely true. 
I thought it was kind of weird that he like took up this whole like brigade against telling young black men how they should be living their lives. And I I don't know. I just was like, whatever, dude, you're an old out of touch guy slightly, you know. And then when all that shit came out, it was just like, all right. But I mean, it's shocking for a lot of people because there are a lot of people and a lot of African-Americans who that they they, you know, they grew up with the Cosby show. It was a revolutionary show. Yeah. Well, I mean, and... a lot of stand-up comedians idolized Bill Cosby, you know, everyone's like, yeah. Oh, Bill Cosby himself was one of the best, you know, comedy specials mm-hmm. ever. And I saw it and I, I, I didn't think it was that good. Honestly, I, like I said, uh, I mean, if I, if we're talking about old standups like George, it's crazy. It's like Bill Cosby was in a lot of ways, like the African-American Mr. Rogers for a lot of, a lot of kids and a lot of people. And this 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 whole thing is like imagining that Mr. Rogers did all of that and was convicted of of sexual assault. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty cool. It's unfortunate that all this shit, uh, man. If you edit, if somebody edited that together, that would make me sound it's really pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's all pretty cool. It's, no, it's not cool. Uh, what I was gonna say is like, I think it's pretty cool that we. And again, it's unfortunate that that all the sacrifices of these uh women's like dignity the thing is shit. i don't i don't i don't get people coming out and saying things like well why didn't they say something please for the love of god let me finish that statement i had hanging because that again i'm <laughs> yeah. sounding really bad right now <laughs> uh, i think it's pretty cool that we we find it seems like we're finally coming to a time where if you're a, a dude in in a position of power you you really have to think twice before mm-hmm. you just objectify women when back in the day you would just uh you would just do it you know and you wouldn't think yeah. twice but now like people are you know now it's it's like all getting brought to the surface all the ugliness so all these fucking weirdos who can't keep their fucking hands to themselves are now going to have to think twice well do I want to do this and and risk ruining my whole career, or do I just want to fucking maybe not do it like a normal person and like I don't know, beat off when you get home or something, and you know, <laughs> like chill the fuck out, I you know. So I'm glad that that's at least a result of this. Again, it it's it's shitty that it took all this to happen for that. Well, it's not just this case; it's other cases too. Oh yeah, well sure. I mean that's all we've been hearing about uh, for the past like well. You know, it was really prominent like a few months ago in the headlines. All right, moving on to our next case of Laura Bible and Ashley Freeman on The Ultimate Collection. This is called Trailer Terror. You know what, Mike? I miss the old days of our podcast where every single episode we only talked about cases from The Ultimate Collection because the, the, the cases from The Ultimate Collection box set were really like handpicked, like some of the best mm-hmm. cases on Unsolved Mysteries, I would argue. Well, there's still some that we haven't talked about. Yeah, yeah, set, yeah. So. Women's Prison Killing is one I want to probably get to like next week or something because that was a really good mm-hmm. one. But we definitely have blew our wad of UFOs and ghosts on there for sure at this point. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I wanted, I wanted to save the UFOs and ghosts, but it was just too difficult. I love those cases so much. Um, so this, I'm, I'm, we're we're talking about this case to tonight because it's tonight for me. Damn it! I don't care if it's full, only four o'clock over there in Washington, Mike. Over here, it's it's five. It's five twenty, and I'm missing the NFL draft for this. So. Oh well, over here it's eight twenty, <laughs> and it's nighttime. So I'm gonna say night. And um, I can since I'm so in the better be happy. Oh, I'm in the future, <laughs> so I can just tell you who the draft picks were. No, it's cool. Just, I don't actually. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just messing around. Okay. Um, but anyway. 
This case has actually had a big break in it recently. I think someone on our group alerted us to this, which, again, man, join our fucking group. They're like, there are so many. <laughs> join our fucking group. It <laughs> sounded a little hostile. I didn't mean for it to. There's, they're like these sleuths in our group who like post like breaking news as soon as it comes out. They'll like post it to our group. And I'm so appreciative of you guys doing that because I nor Mike have the time to stay up on all this stuff. Um, so yeah, this is the case of, uh, with an, with a, with a good update, Laura, Laura, Loria, it's spelled Loria, but I call, I'm gonna call it Laura, Laura Bible and Ashley Freeman. Um, so here we goes. Venita, Oklahoma is a small rural town in Craig County. On December 29th, 1999, local teenager Ashley Freeman turned 16. It was a night of celebration for her parents and for her best friend, Laura Bible. Laura's father, Jay, recalled the last time he saw his daughter, quote, Laura, she said to me, Daddy, is it all right if I spend the night with Ashley in the Freeman home? I said, well, just make sure you're home by noon tomorrow. And noon tomorrow didn't happen the way it should have. Sometime during the night, the Freeman's home became an inferno. By the time Laura's parents arrived, the fire was out, but the home had been reduced to ashes. Laura's car was still there, but there was no sign of their daughter. Laureen Bible talked to the coroner, quote, The county coroner told me that there was only one body. That's all they found. I said, have they found anybody else? And she said, no. They've looked, but there's no other bodies there. The body was Kathy Freeman's, the mother of Laura's, and F- Laura's friend Ashley. But where was Ashley? Her father Danny and Laura Bible. According to Captain Jim Herman of the Craig County Sheriff's Department, even the authorities were stumped. Quote, We'd only had one body accounted for. Could find no others. Yet we had all the cars there at the house. That was a little bizarre. No one could quite piece the two together on that. and didn't make any sense. Then the case became even more baffling when the coroner determined Kathy Freeman did not die in the fire, but from a shotgun wound to the head. The arson squad concluded that the bizarre blaze was deliberately set. According to Laureen Bible, her daughter Laura and Ashley had been best friends since kindergarten. Quote, Laura and Ashley would call each other at least once a week. What, what one was thinking, the other was thinking. It's kind of like when two people, you know, one can finish the sentence when the other starts one. I hate to break this to Laureen, but calling somebody once a week really isn't that much. I kind of no. kind of doubt the... the str- well, I mean, back then it might have been. A decent amount because they probably had a budget in terms of how many minutes they could use or whatever. Or maybe the maybe they said you could only talk to somebody once a week. Mike, I don't know. I have firsthand experience from being a fifth grader in 1999, and I can tell. Oh, okay. I can tell you right now, my best friend at the time, Megan. I talked to her every single night for hours on end. Yeah. So yeah. once a week. Yeah. You're okay, friends. You're okay, friends. You're not. You're not best friends. The day after, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> oh, you have a problem with me invalidating their friendship, Mike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, especially since one of them is dead. So yeah, um, I you know I think both of them are dead. So yeah. Well, you know what? If if invalidating a dead person's friendship with another dead person is the worst thing I do in my life, then I'm doing all right. <laughs> The day after the fire, Laura's parents returned to the crime scene. They hoped to find a clue the investigators had missed. And boy, did they. 
Only after five minutes, they made a shocking discovery. Another body. This just seems like it's incompetence from the police here. Like, really. Like, how do you not notice or fi- figure that out, like, immediately? Right, I know. How do you miss a fucking body? If you're a body? professional, yeah. I don't really buy it. Right. <laughs> uh, the body, however, was not Laura or Ashley. According to Laureen, it was an adult male, and he, too, had been shot. Quote, he did not have anything from the upper teeth all the way to the top of his head. It was totally gone, like he'd been shot in the face. I'm, I would be glad that you found the body when it was totally burnt instead of finding that, like, not burnt, because that would be a fucking disturbing sight. Yep. Jesus Christ, that was some Kurt Cobain shit right there. The body was identified as Danny Freeman, Kathy's husband. So, so far, both Freeman parents are dead, um, and the, the, the kids are missing. And like Kathy, mm-hmm. he had also been shot at close range with a shotgun. Investigators re-examined the crime scene and found no other bodies, but I wouldn't fucking trust that investigation squad at that point. I would want a new person on the case. Uh, They did find one important clue, though. Laura's purse. In it were her driver's license and nearly $200 in cash, which I'm sure would be like $400 in 2018 money. Laura... I don't know. Or maybe... It's in 1999, so... uh, Maybe $300? Maybe. $250? Anyway, I would say probably 250, 300 around there. If you would like to hear more about me and Mike speculate on the inflation rates of 1999 <laughs> compared to now, text cash to pound 245. Um, message and data rates may apply. Laureen wondered why her daughter would leave her purse unless she had been abducted. Quote I felt that somebody had gone in there and for whatever reason murdered Danny and Kathy and took the girls. The Craig County Sheriff's Department tried to piece together what happened the night of Ashley's birthday. If it had been a robbery, the purses would have been taken. If it had been mur- if murder was a motive, who had reason to kill Danny and Kathy Freeman, Ashley's parents? Danny himself may have had the answer, which he revealed to his brother, Dwayne. Now, this is kind of creepy. They interview his brother, Dwayne, and he goes, They put his finger in my face and said, If anything happens to me, look at the sheriff's office. He was serious. He was in my face about it to drive it home with me. For months it had been rumored that the Craig County Sheriff's Department was feuding with the Freemans. It all began when Danny's son Shane was shot and killed by a deputy. Damn. Yeah. After he had stolen a truck and a neighbor's gun, which, okay, fair enough. If you steal somebody's truck and their yeah. gun, then you're kind of asking for some bullshit with the cops. But death? I don't know. Might have been a shootout or something. Who knows? They don't really Maybe. go into that on here. It seems it it, it 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 ticks all the boxes for police corruption though. Yeah, it kind of does. It does. Shane's killing was ruled justifiable, but the Freemans threatened to file a wrongful death lawsuit against the sheriff's department. According to Dwayne, his brother told him the deputies were trying to intimidate him and his family. He basically told me, according to Danny, that they could do anything they wanted to him and his family, and there wasn't a thing he could do about it. Yes, there was. Fucking move. How about that? Move out of that shitty-ass yeah. small redneck town. Maybe do that, Danny. <laughs> when Danny and Kathy Freeman were found dead, the Craig County Sheriff's Department voluntarily turned the case over to the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation, as well they should have. I like that. I like how they turned it over to a different fucking department. They also consented to a polygraph test. Again, with these fucking polygraph tests that don't mean jack shit. 
Special Agent Steve Nutter of the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation, <laughs> Nut, I know, said, I, I, uh, the junior high school kid in me recognizes that's a funny last name. No, but it's not just that. I mean, he's a special agent and his last name is Nutter. So you're like, is he nuts? Is he one of those nutters? Well, I mean, it, it does take away. Nutter butters over here? Does take slightly <laughs> away from his validity as a human being. It's like, I'm supposed to be intimidated by a guy with the last name Nutter. Anyway, he said the polygraphs were conclusive. Quote, all cleared themselves as a result of those examinations. It's a fucking polygraph. That doesn't mean anything. All right. I mean, I found out recently uh, the the whole bullshit of, of the polygraph from somebody who was in uh, one of my classes. And he took a polygraph because he's, he's trying to sign up for state patrol. And... He tested positive for uh, something about beating his wife, <laughs> but it's only because he showed emotion. He showed like as soon as that question happened, like he thought about it really deeply. And I guess if you do that in a polygraph, that can result in an inconclusive uh, uh, data. Yeah, that's not surprising. Or maybe he did beat his wife. Who knows? <laughs> I probably shouldn't have laughed at that. Um, no. <laughs> so. No. The overall conclusion of our efforts, still quoting this guy here, Nutter. The overall conclusion of our efforts was that the sheriff's office had nothing to do with the murders of Danny and Kathy and did not know the whereabouts of the two missing girls. There was yet another possibility. Some said that Danny was a small-time drug trafficker and wondered if a drug deal gone bad had led to the double murder. Agent Nutter discounted that theory by stating, If you wanted to consider that it was drug-related, nothing fits correctly. The very last thing that the people who committed the murder would want would be to abduct the children. There was yet another theory. Ashley Freeman murdered her own parents and then fled with Laura. There's just so many theories. Theories everywhere. You get a theory. You get a theory. Everybody gets a theory. This is such a bullshit theory. This last theory is like offensive that they would even come to that conclusion. Captain Jim Herman of the Craig County Sheriff's Department said he had to consider this possibility. Quote, well, of course, because he's from that fucking sheriff's department. Yeah. So they already have a beef with him. He, he was quoted as saying, There was a great deal of friction in the Freeman household. Danny and his daughter did not get along well at all and hadn't for some time. That's something we can't overlook. Uh, I mean... How did you know this? Were you constantly spying on the family all the time? From, like, from I, my binoculars, what I could see through the window on Saturday night when they had the, the, the screen cracked, it looked like they really weren't getting along very well. <laughs> then again, she is a 16-year-old teenager. Who the fuck at 16 gets along great with their parents? I mean, especially a, a, a female and, and her dad, you know, she's wanting to date or get into boys or whatever, and he's, you know, this good old boy from Oklahoma, and ain't no daughter of mine gonna be going out on a Saturday night with no boy. You know, like, they, those are also things they could have considered. Mm -hmm. um, again... Nutter doesn't think the girls were capable of murder. He said, I find it difficult to believe that the girls by themselves could hide out that long and not be found. Jay and Laureen Bible were left with only unanswered questions. Where were Lori, Laura and Ashley and why had they left? Laureen Bible says, we have come to the conclusion that Laura was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I feel that she's still alive, but whether she's dead or alive, I want to know. And then her father Jay says... We love her dearly and wish we could have her back. Wish we could have both girls back because at this point I'd take them and raise them both and never let them go. Which that's really sweet. 
Yeah. Um, so well, there's definitely an update to the case and a recent one, uh, but I want to give my thoughts on the segment. Uh, it's a good segment. Uh, this is what I'm talking about when you can tell production values are a bit lower than the the previous season. Uh, it looked more the reenactment looked more like a reenactment I'd see on Forensic Files or some of those other shows. Um, and you could tell that Robert Stack was showing his age a lot more with his narration. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about in terms of the audio quality is because in season 10, he still got that energy and everything. And then season 11, like, especially with the commentary for this segment, you can tell that he's starting to run on fumes and that's really too bad. So it's one of those things where... That's what I mean by audio quality and production values ah. when it comes to these two segments. Because there was the reenactment, it wasn't much. It was a lot of okay, they're in the they show the family in in the bedroom or not in the bedroom, just sitting there in the at the dining table celebrating a birthday or whatever. And then there's a lot of shots that are just stock. Let's uh, investigate the crime scene shots. There wasn't really a lot of that cinematic stuff that you saw in the Bordello murders segment yeah still a good case though i mean yes. ma mainly for the story i mean come on yes. like that's crazy like this this one girl asks if she can spend the night at her friend's house and then the fucking trailer is burned down the kids are missing yeah, the it's the worst it's the worst it's, it's case crazy scenario. it's like there's no way that this is this this can really so yeah very recent update uh updated on uh april 23rd of this year a suspect in custody in connection to the case of the two Oklahoma girls who have been missing since 1999. Uh, December 30th through 31st, 1999, the bodies of Danny and Kathy Freeman were found inside their burned home near, Wel near Welch, which is the name of the small town, Welch. They were shot and killed before their home was set on fire. The Freeman's 16-year-old daughter, Ashley, and her friend, Laura Bible, were missing. Laura, 16, was staying the night Ashley's house at Ashley's house to celebrate Ashley's birthday. The Craig County Sheriff called OSBI special agents to help investigate. For years, agents and many other investigators have followed numerous leads, interviewing a multitude of possible witnesses and suspects while searching what the searching wells and other possible burial sites. I, I maybe they probably meant to say Welch. However, December 2017, officials said leads gathered that year could be a turning point in the case. An OSBI agent and a District 12 attorneys office investigator have interviewed several people who possess knowledge about the murders and the missing girls in December, 2017 Craig County Sheriff Heath Winfrey provided investigators with previously unknown notes and documents. He discovered referencing the Freeman Bible case left from the previous sh sheriff's administration. Those notes and documents have been proven to be extremely valuable. According to Fox 23, a suspect in custody in connection to the crimes related to the girl's disappearance Authorities said Ronnie Dean Busick, 66, was arrested Sunday. Busick is charged with four counts of first-degree murder, two counts of kidnapping, and only one count of arson. Only one. Just one count of arson. Two other people who were also possibly involved in the crimes are deceased. Authorities identified those people as Warren Philip Welch II and David A. Pennington. Investigators reportedly told family members that they believe that the two girls were kept alive but are likely dead now. That's terrible. Authorities are still investigating and are searching for clues about where the victims may be buried. But there was also another update that happened uh, previously in a bizarre twist no one saw coming. 
A death row inmate, Jeremy B. Jones, confessed to killing Danny and Kathy Freeman. Uh, he said he did it as a favor to a friend over a drug debt, but that turned out to be bullshit because of this recent turn of events. So what what I because he actually said he lied to authorities to get better food and extra phone privileges in prison, which that just raises all, even more questions. What I would love to know, and 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 what we'll probably never know, unfortunately, is what happened that day. You know, I wish they would question this Ronnie Dean Busick guy, and they would make that information public. You know, because you know. Just for for community interest at this point, since so many people have been invested in this case for so long, it's like, okay, now that you have somebody charged, like what happened? You know, what 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 was the motive? You know, like like what you know, they said they the girls were alive for a time after that happened and then were killed. You know, why? Why did you kill them? What was, you know, what what was the time like after the trailer burned down? What did you do to them or with them or whatever? Because, you know, he probably sexually abused them or some shit, too, probably, um, which is just or, you know, whether or not he was working alone. Like, was he was he did? Were there other people that were involved? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, you know, I would imagine so. But so th we'll probably never know any of that, any of that stuff because they're, you know, they're probably going to keep it under wraps because that's usually usually how that stuff seems to happen. Unless somebody goes digging around enough, then they'll they'll divulge. But um, yeah, I mean, this is one of those cases where people are always wanting updates and, and that's that's an update. But the unfortunate thing is what I always look for in a, in a good update is when they not only give you the info of like we caught the person this is their name and then they go on to tell you a little bit about what happened afterward and it gives it a nice like bookend feel and with this you don't really have that you just have you know this we caught the guy and then that's you know that's that up next, we have something we have to touch on because I think every true crime podcast under the fucking sun is probably covering this topic, which I've always hated being a follower. Even growing up, I always I was always one of those kids who did the opposite just to be different, which is kind of douchey in its own way if you think about it. Well, we don't have to cover it. Well, no, I feel we should cover it. We I, it would be weird if we didn't talk about it. Um, and that, of course, is the uh, Golden State Killer being uh caught finally after i keep seeing him being called the night stalker which confuses me constantly i think it's i think it's interchangeable but um because when i think of the night stalker i think of richard ramirez i don't think of anybody else or kolchak that's about it why would they give him the same name that's what i'm that's what's crazy it's like it's a, there's more than one night stalker now <laughs> let's just get yeah it seems like use and scare a bunch of people yeah, it seems it seems difficult to like have the lock on the night uh, the night stalker, you know, like it seems like a bunch of people um, would have that. But anyway, uh, just run through this here. Uh, a day after authorities announced the arrest of the suspected Golden State killer, a few details have come into focus. Can a dog repellent and a hammer from a suburban Sacramento pay and serve? The things that Joseph James D'Angelo shoplifted in 1979, costing him his job as a police officer in Auburn, California. The coins and small items that the man called the East Area Rapist would take during his attacks. 
The, the as yet unidentified item discarded by D'Angelo that had a sample of his DNA on it, enough to provide the evidence le leading to his arrest. The FBI posters seeking information about a white man with blonde or light brown hair and an athletic build sketched made decades ago, now with captured and blazoned in red. The 72-year-old from Citrus Heights, California, has now been charged with eight murders in three California counties. Police suspected he committed at least four other murders and about 50 rapes. Good God, man. Damn. The crimes terrorized Sacramento in the late 70s. FBI case agent Marcus Nutston said in a 2016 video, quote, If you lived in Sacramento during that time frame, you have a story of what happened and where you were and what was going on. Everybody knows about the East Area Rapist slash Golden State Killer here in Sacramento. During that time frame, everybody was in fear. We had people sleeping with shotguns. We had people purchasing dogs. I think locksmith business went way out of control because of the fact that everyone was changing locks on their doors. So who is Joseph D'Angelo? According to the Sacramento Bee, oh, that's a cute name, D'Angelo was born in New York State and graduated from high school east of Sacramento. He enlisted in the Navy and fought in Vietnam and then returned and got a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. From 1973 to 1976, he worked as a police officer in Exeter, California, close to the city of Visalia. I did not know there was all these weird... Exeter? Exeter? Is that how it's, you say it? Is it E-X-E-T-E-R? Yes. Yeah, it's Exeter. Okay. Um, how do you know that, Mike? How do you know that that's how it's pronounced? There's a horror film called Exeter. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so he, he worked as a police officer in Exeter, California, close to the city of Visalia, which in 1974 and 75... Visalia. I think it's Visalia. God Visalia, damn it, Mr. Yeah. Pronunciation. <laughs> stop, stop being smarter than me. <laughs> which in 19 Basalia, which, think, which in yeah. 1974 and 1975 was terrorized by 85 burglaries and a murder a series of crimes attributed to a perpetrator perpetrator known as the Vesalia ransacker in 1976 D'Angelo became a police officer in Auburn California until his termination for shoplifting well, that's a petty thing to be doing as a cop to get fired for you're a cop man why are you shoplifting get your shit together he Married in 1973, later divorced, and was living with a daughter and granddaughter until he was arrested this week. I'm guessing his daughter and granddaughter, perhaps? It just says living with a daughter and granddaughter. Anyway, quote, The time frame of the crime supports that the suspect was a police officer when he committed some of these crimes, said Sean Reagan, special agent in charge of the FBI Sacramento office. The B compiled a long list of the crimes associated with the Golden State Killer, or as he was previously known, the East Area Rapist, or the original Night Stalker. And original is in capital letters. The original oh. Night Stalker. There have okay. been many other Night Stalkers. This is the original. The majority of the rapes occurred in the three years while D'Angelo was a police officer. God, that is so sleazy. Oh, yeah. God, you piece totally of is. shit. But from December 19th... He had a nickname called the Grim Sleeper, too. No way. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but from December 1979 to May 1986, 10 people in California were killed in murders later tied to the East Area Rapist. 
In 2011, the Times reported that new DNA technology had allowed authorities to connect the spree of rapes in Northern California with the killings in Southern California. The search for the Golden State Killer pickup renewed intensity in 2016 when Sacramento County District Attorney Anne Marie Schubert helped create a task force to find him. The FBI offered a $50,000 reward for information leading to his arrest and conviction of the killer. If he is still alive, the killer would now be approximately 60 to 75 years old, the FBI said at the time. He is described as a white male close to six feet tall with blonde hair, blah, blah, blah. We don't need to know any of that shit. Um, Sacramento County Sheriff Scott Jones said they used DNA evidence from a discarded item to link D'Angelo with samples the killer had left behind years ago. Um, you know, they got him. He's gotten... I'm not going to read any more of this. I'm sure you have all heard enough. But the fact that he did this shit <laughs> when he was a cop is disgusting. Yeah, it's despicable. I mean, it, if this podcast has taught you nothing else, it should have taught you that cops are definitely just as shitty as anybody else out there. Well, they have the potential to be as shitty. Yeah. Sure. We'll go with that. Potential. Yeah. So, uh, real quick, we're going to look over a list uh, that Decider um, uh, did. I actually, on, I actually uh, do not have time to do that. My, no time. my gig starts at 9, and it's 8.55 right now. All right. So, I'm already going to be late. Yeah. You're going to be late. Yeah, so we'll have to uh, save. We'll, have to, we'll do that as a uh, Patreon bonus. Okay, fine. Um, well, I'm starving anyway. Yeah, so. that's cool. Um, <laughs> all right, so that's the podcast, guys. I uh, hope you enjoyed listening. If you want to uh, follow us on YouTube, it is um, Mike is YouTube.com slash OCP Communications. He talks about movies, reviews movies, etc. What's the last movie you reviewed, Mike? A Quiet Place. It's still, it's still the same because I've just been so busy. So busy with school lately. But there'll be some new uh, videos up uh, pretty soon. The last video I posted, though, was actually a taste test video. Oh, okay. That's cool. You can find me on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. And um, the last video I posted, it's, it was kind of an old one, too. It was my second channel awesome response. Uh, you know, if you know anything about Doug Walker and the Nostalgia Critic and all the drama that's been surrounding that, I talk about that. But I also do like game reviews, movie reviews, TV show reviews, uh, talk about, you know, all kinds of stuff. I have a music video on there for my band Dancing with Ghosts that I've bet that's that had been in production for months. Uh, that's just been released on there. There's a bunch. There's something on there for everybody. You'll love it. But anyway, I am officially late for my gig now because we t decided to do this podcast on a Friday late at night. So, well, late for me, early for Mike still. Uh, I hope everybody out there enjoyed your Friday when you're hearing this retroactively and you're still alive and all that good stuff. But uh, <laughs> until next time, we will talk to you later. See ya. What's up, everybody? Josh here. Just wanted to let everyone know that my new album, The Nightmare Inside You, is now available on Bandcamp, Spotify, and iTunes. Thank you for any and all support. It means the world to me.
No, you're talking about the money thing with like Mike's gonna pay you to review a movie or whatever. Um, but I found out about this little website called Social Blade that I had not heard of before. Yeah, we both are not doing well on there. <laughs> well, I'm not doing great on there, but I looked up your estimated yearly or earnings, and according to Social Blade, you make anywhere from seven hundred and fourteen dollars a year all the way up. To eleven thousand four hundred a year off of your YouTube. Well, eleven thousand four hundred is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and so is the seven hundred. Like maybe, uh, I guess if I had like uh, advertising deals directly with advertisers or something, that's interesting. Social Blade. That just shows you Social Blade isn't necessarily entirely correct because I only got like forty something bucks from my partner uh, last last month. So. Damn, dude, I got shit. Like I, I, I got that much not being partnered up with anybody. I, I'm, I'm, I'm to the well with these few videos I've been coming out with lately, like the Apple one and then the Channel Awesome ones and all that shit. Um, plus some of the other ones I had previously that have I mean, just, there's been times I've made I've been surprised I made seventy or eighty or whatever, but you know, it's, yeah. it's just it's a surprise. It's a surprise nowadays. Like it really got cut in half after the fucking advertising. Apocalypse, adpocalypse, or whatever the fuck it was. I'm so, so glad that I was like such a small YouTuber, like before and after that happened, because like, I'm yeah. If you were bigger, then you have to like completely change everything. Yeah, and then, yeah. I'm like coming up in a t in a climate. Although some of them don't have to change shit. Jake and Logan Paul can still be posting, you know, death videos and still be making bank because YouTube doesn't really care. Well, yeah, it's got double money. standards. Yeah. You're a very nebulous being, Mike. It's very hard to like, like pin you down. Well, I just been. It's just this term has been kicking my ass. So, and then I had the whole thing with what's going on with the other personal stuff on top of that. So, it it it's it's been rough. But you know what? I'm almost done, and I think I'm gonna pass all my classes. So that's sweet. All that matters. Sometimes they'll do like a weighted grade, you know, so you'll think you're fucked. And then like after it's weighted, if everybody else is doing shitty too in the class. I don't, I don't think I'm fucked at all with any of my classes. I think the worst case scenario with one of them is maybe a C. That's it. Oh, well, fuck. Fucking A. Doing good. <laughs> all right. What's up, everybody? And welcome to episode number. You know, I don't like how I said that one. Let me do the take two. <laughs> I said or, or, I kind of fucked up everybody. Uh, I presented it yesterday, and I thought it did, I thought the site was fine, and I did all right. But uh, compared to other people, like they're like way better than me. But you know, hey, it is what it is. Um, I I'm not planning on being an infographic guy or some guy who's going to be coding websites. I if I was ever going to do anything involving with digital technology or anything relating to DTC, it would be with editing. And and I think my edit my video edit is pretty damn good except for some of the sound uh because some some of those students were like oh well, i can't hear the people talking uh over the music and i and i was like i could hear it fine but at the same time i have to keep in mind that they're playing the videos played on speakers in class not with headphones so when you're editing and you're editing with headphones sometimes it'll sound great with your headphones on and sound just fine or if you have your speakers on and you're just listening to it like you're right there right next to the speakers but i guess if you're 
farther away, it might not sound as good. Yeah, there's so a night and day difference between editing on um, headphones and editing with speakers and editing on laptops. So anytime I do a YouTube yeah. video and I'm editing it on my Apple laptop, the sound sounds a certain way um, from my on-screen audio, and then I'll go into like a voiceover segment where I'm using the mic that I'm using now. And yeah. I, on my, when I'm in front of the camera, it has this real, I hate th- these fucking road mics that everybody, all YouTubers use. I, I hate that road mic. It's, it produces this hissing sound. What is a road mic, by the way? I don't even know what that terminology means. It's like a mic you take on the road. No, I, no, I it's, it's, road is the, is the road na- trip mic. <laughs> it's the name brand. The company is called road. And oh, road. Oh, okay. R O D E. Yeah. Right, now I get it. Yeah. Like all YouTubers have it. But anyway, it produces a certain kind of fidelity on my laptop speakers and then when i go into the voiceover it sounds like they're at the same level but then when i play the video on my desktop where i actually have decent speakers the on-camera audio sounds one way and then it goes to the voiceover part and it's just like super bassy and super just yeah yeah levels are all different and And they're like you could have you turned down the music and i did i turned it down from 100 to like level 40 so i thought that was plenty you know, uh, in terms of turning it down, but I guess not. Needed to turn it down another ten notches or something. But you know, hey, it's it's fine. I, I think she's the teacher's going to be all right because this is a beginner's course basically. So I, I don't think she's going to be as st- harsh. Uh, but uh, there were some other people, some other students. I got to be honest, uh, what they turned out was way worse than what I did. So <laughs> I mean. See, that's always an encouraging thing in life when 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 uh, when your peers do something that's a lot shittier and you're like, oh, psh, I could do better than this. Like, <laughs> that's that's what got me into stand up comedy. Like I went to these I would go to these open mic nights when I was like trying to get into stand up and fl- uh-huh. flirting with the idea of being a stand up. And I would see like these comedians on stage, like doing their five minutes and they'd be awful, like so not funny. And I'm like, oh, my God, I am so much funnier than that. Even just having a, co- a casual conversation with someone, you know, like who yeah. knows the power I could harness of comedy if I actually tried. And then I realized that it's a lot harder to get on stage. And well, I feel if I started out and I was more confident in front of the camera and I did more shorter whatever reviews and had like more production values, I could be easily as big as some of these other movie reviewer YouTubers. But I didn't start out doing that uh, early enough. So starting out now and then dealing with all the copyright bullshit. And then, I mean, recently I got a copyright strike for a thumbnail for a piece of shit king kong animated musical (laughs) and i contacted the person and they basically gave me this terse reply which is basically uh tough titties you're fucked basically saying that oh it wasn't for the video it was for the thumbnail which we felt violated our copyright and which is what no they didn't say which we felt it said which violated our copyright and then i I, i've just decided i don't want to fight this one i could do a, a counterclaim but I already got a response from this person, so I'm pretty sure they would not. They would either do legal action or they would uh, deny the claim. I don't know. I just I, uh, I don't or deny the. Re- they wouldn't retract it. So I don't really want to mess around with it. So I'll just wait until July or whatever until it goes away on its own. It just sucks that it's in the back of my head. 
because it, I, I don't really feel I did anything wrong. It's a fucking thumbnail. Most companies are very loose and very, you know, all right, whatever is a thumbnail. But this is this company for some reason is super butthurt and anal about it. And I, I don't, it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. I'm probably going to make this B roll footage. <laughs> That's fine. Uh. It's, it's just, when you talk about YouTube, yeah, I, just... I know we could go off on that forever. We, we <laughs> if we had more time in our lives, we really should, should... We just do the YouTube podcast. Oh, really, I mean, I think we could do like whole episodes of us just talking about it and bitching and talking about the latest <laughs> drama or news or whatever of YouTube. Um, uh, who knows? That would be more popular. It probably <laughs> probably so. All right, so I'm gonna do a, a silence here for so I can do a clean edit. All right, all right. So this is a show. All right, this is a show. Okay. <laughs>